Hi, and welcome to Beta's monthly podcast series, How We Listen Live in Conversation. I'm Mark Brown, the founder of Beta.com, the platform enabling the sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way. Built for everyone working with music today. Beta's goal is to provide artists and their teams with the tools and the knowledge to help move their careers forward. Anyone interested in working in and around the music ecosystem should have access to as many insights into the business of music as possible. We think that the best approach is to do as much as you can on your own before you start building your team. And this podcast series will help. We present our How We Listen Live in Conversation events in two parts. In the first, I offer up some of my experience in the music industry and highlight what's happening at Beta. The second part is an in-depth one-on-one conversation with someone from deep within the music ecosystem. Each guest talks about how they've made their way to where they are today, while offering tips and tricks they picked up along the way. You are about to hear the one-on-one conversation. Tune in live online on the last Tuesday of every month to hear the whole event. Sign up is free. Our guest today is Obina Agwu, newly appointed A&R executive at Horus Music Nigeria. Obina is an artist manager, music business consultant, as well as a podcaster. Obina has years of experience working in the Nigerian music industry. Horus Music, based in the UK, expanded its business operations to Nigeria in 2021, and Obina was their third hire. Obina spoke to us from Lagos, Nigeria. Here's our conversation. Obina, are you there somewhere? Oh, there you are. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Awesome. So do you want to uh, tell everybody where you are? Um, I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. Yes, that's where so, I am. So we're quite, well, we're quite far from each other here, me and Stockholm. And you, can you just tell us, give us one line about where you work and what your company does, just so everybody has an idea right out of the starting gate. Okay. Um, I work for Horace Music. We're a music distribution company and label services um, company. And um, we, our HQ is in the UK, Leicester City in the UK. And um, we have other offices, Horace Music Brazil for the Latin American markets, you know, and um, Horace Music Nigeria for the Nigerian and um, larger African um, markets. So um, Horace Music Nigeria started in 2020, but um, the larger company has been in existence for 17 years now. Um, You know, uh, big shout out to our CEO, Mr. Nick Don. Yeah, that's a visionary. So um, yeah, and um, I've, I've, I have recently joined um, Horace Music from Boomplay, where I was a artist relations manager. Um, we are we are passionate about um, working with new artists because we understand how lonely that journey can feel. So we're looking to offer service that um, wraps its 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 arms around the artist more and um, offer way more support than um, than merely getting the music onto the platforms and and getting playlist pitches, you know? So we're we're looking to deliver a more wholesome uh, distribution service to artists. Explain how 
like sort of quickly, like where you started and then how you ended up at Boomplay and then how you ended up at Horus. Because I, most people on these calls and stuff are always interested to learn how a short version of people's journey. It's funny, I heard you talk about um, your media, your radio business, being a plugger and all of that. So um, I actually did um, a lot of plug-in, radio plug-in in my early days. And funny enough, I didn't see anybody do it, but I just felt like there, there, it's got to be somebody who is um, helping the artists or who can help artists get their music onto the radio stations, onto the TV stations, you know. And so I started to de um, develop those relationships with um, OAPs and, um, and, and, and TV people. And of course, everything still stems from my love for, for music. So um, I really started knowing these people because I love radio as, as, an, uh, as a medium, you know, and um, to digress a little, that is why podcasting, um, um, you know, that's why I find podcasting to be very relatable to my person because I love the audio format and um, yeah. So, but um, I, I started out doing radio plugging and then I got into management. Um, I didn't know so much, but I just had the fire in me and um, I happened to meet an artist at the time who I thought was incredibly gifted and the world deserved to hear him. And that just um, inspired me to, to, to go on and just take on the role. And so um, I started, um, I got into artist management from there. And, you know, I've, I've worked with so many artists over the years and um, consulted for a lot of um, record labels and um, other entertainment um, companies. Um, some years ago, I worked as an A&R for um, a company called Tribe Records, Eman Tribe Records. So um, that was um, a label owned by um, a legendary Nigerian artist called um, um, LD, LD the Dog, you know? So um, he's into tech now, not, not, not um, music anymore, but yeah, so that, that was fun. And um, I, I worked with um, Chocolate City um, years ago as well. So, and so many artists, you know, and um, so many, um, I've, I've worked in different capacities over the years. Yeah, so, and just um, leading up to when I joined um, um, Boomplay, I mean, I'm coming from a place where I understand what the artist wants and I understand what the um, expectations of the manager is or the expectation of the label, you know? So being in a place where I have to cater to these needs and try to sort them out and support them, um, the artist relations manager role at Boomplay just felt right, you know, for me. It almost felt like I'd been preparing for the role um, um, all my life. And um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and my 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 role now at um Horace Music is more so that, you know, because now as a distributor of uh, you're you're working with artists, you're you're buying into their vision, you're speaking to managers all the time. And I feel so at home with it because I'm literally talking to um a, a, a manager and I am still a manager even with my job, you know. So I'm still a manager. So I, I, I understand the expectations of the artists, I understand the worries of the artists, I understand how lonely the journey can feel. So that is um what what makes it easy for me to you know put myself in a position to offer 
more for the artist because it's 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 a really tough journey. So I, I guess um after after doing my personal hustle for so long and um um running around on the streets or hustling on the streets, you know, um, um going going corporate is like um the the what what is next for me. And um companies are always looking for um experienced hands, passionate hands and this is where I am now, you know, and I'm loving it. Cool. Okay. Like, so because this is interesting, I like how you say that, oh yeah, I've had all these jobs, but I'm basically just serving artists. You know what I mean? Like I've had, I've had many different jobs, but I've had the same job the whole time. Explain what artist developments like in, especially in Nigeria, you were saying that it moved, people want to move way more quickly. Yeah. And I think that's a big, that you were comparing it to say something like in Europe or in North America. Do you want to talk a bit about that for people who maybe don't know? Yes, yes, I, I definitely want to speak about it. And um, it's interesting to me because I find that these are very economic um, 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 reasons, you know, or, or economic outcomes, because you find that people are not, people don't have the time, you know, or the patience to put in the work that it's going to take to develop their music. Cause it's like life is literally coming at you every second. So you don't have the luxury of, of, of taking time and just chill and just working on your music, you know? So it's not a lot of people who are picking up instruments. It's not a, a lot of people who are doing vocal trainings. It's not a lot of people who are, who are taking dance classes, you know, all these things. So you 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 find that um, superstars or, or stars develop right in front of the eye of the public, you know, like you see um, people who break into into prominence, getting their stage craft right right in front of you, or fine tuning their recording or fine tuning their sound as they go. And ideally, these are uh, developments that should be done outside of the eyes of the um, of, of the public. So I find that. Um, people are not able to put in the time because there's just no time for that. And it's like the environment doesn't have patience for that level of, um, of um, diligence as well. You need to get it and you need to get it now. And so part of the downside of that is that people really put up music hoping that the first song they put up blows up, you know, but the truth is, it might be the tenth one. It might be the hundredth one. You know, so that is what I find. Are there any advantages to this impatience? Like, in the sense, do you think it maybe creates a better relationship between the artist and the fans? That because, like you're saying, if there's a bit more maybe money around or time, yeah. people hone this mystique in the background and then present it to the public. But the mm -hmm. way you're explaining it is this: it's like here it is. It's not right yet, but maybe in two weeks it will be. It's like, so does that create more of a vibe in some ways? Or do you think it's just a negative thing that people aren't, they're, they're out there doing things before they're ready? I mean, I think the marketplace is the marketplace and people expect to get the very best from the shelf every time. 
So yeah. yes, we understand that you are trying to get, figure it out, but they also expect that you should have gotten it right way before you presented the, 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 the product. So I find that if you do not consistently work on getting the product right and um, you just stay stuck, it can eventually um, create a disconnect where people feel like the boss of your music is greater than the the your your presence or it's greater than um your 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 perception or your stagecraft or your presentation or how you speak and all of that so it it, it can really really be problematic but um for some artists who are lucky to have great um, um teams and um, some artists are, are visionaries themselves you know so they're able to come up with these 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 things and just work on it and perfect it right in front but for some people they are just never able to to develop the product beyond the setting point and it ends up you know being a problem for some it's it shows up in ways where they are not able to sustain the hits that they've made you know they've not they're not able to sustain the buzz or some people are so popular and they have big songs and then you watch them on stage and you feel like wow i need my money back when people feel that way about an artist four times five times it gets to a point where they're no more excited to even see the person on stage at all I think it's interesting that 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 the artists are very they're they want to move fast, and then the audience is saying, "Well, if you want to move fast, you're going to have to deliver." And I think it creates it sounds like it creates a level of excitement, which I think is, uh, you know, if everybody's waiting around, I want to see a perfect artist, and I want to be the perfect artist. Maybe things don't get done. So I think I I think it's a it's an interesting dynamic. So. How many tracks are released a week, do you think, in Nigeria? Way um, more than 100, right? A lot, a lot, a lot of tracks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And just from my time at um, Boomplay, um, and Boomplay being um, a major um, player in the um, streaming scene on the continent, I mean, every song that is on, at least in recent times, Every release that goes on Spotify goes on Apple Music goes on Google as well. So yeah. it's a good way to say how much tracks are coming out. So um for the rest of Africa, sometimes you find that um the the, the other um offices of um of um, Boomplay, maybe in East Africa or some other place, maybe they're not so busy because it's just not a lot of releases. But in Nigeria, it's a lot of artists who are trying to make music. Um, a lot of passionate young artists. Like the one thing we do not have in Nigeria right now is um, a lack of talent and um, willingness to put out music. So it, I, I, I like to think it's very different from from other parts of the continent. Really, is South Africa where the music business has been traditionally, uh, like a well developed music business for decades, or like? The music business, um, South Africa's music business is very, 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 very advanced, you know. So um, all the big labels, even the, the, the big movie production houses, you know, like um, these, are, these are the type of partnerships that, that, that you see in other countries, even like Nigeria, and it, they, are, they are hugely celebrated. But these companies have been in South Africa for 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, you know. So, yeah, the, the uh, structure-wise, um, the South African um, music industry is um, definitely a much um, advanced one than ours, but we're catching up. 
Like, but, but but you remember we were talking about, I think it was like, we were using, we used Felipudi as an example, like sort of back then, like, you know, 60s, 70s, was the situation that, that labels would sort of do A&R, check out what's going on, find an artist that was good, and then not really invest in the local infrastructure. It was more, oh, this artist works for our label, we can take them back to North America and make them, or Europe and make them more popular there. So that's one part of it. But then is the other part that over the last 30 years have people from, say, Nigeria or East Africa, for example, have they felt forced to go to South Africa because they believe that the music business is there? Does that make sense? Like Music wise, South Africa has never offered um, huge potentials for for scaling or for growth for a Nigerian. Okay. You know, so we, 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 we're usually targeting the U.S. or the U.K., you know, and um, Nigerians are everywhere in the world, which is another factor that um, that, that has greatly helped um, um, Afrobeat's huge success now yeah. because Nigerians are everywhere and we are very flashy and we're very proud of ourselves and our music. So it, 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 it's only a matter of time before this whole wave came. So, yeah, but... Um, South Africa, I, I mean, um, South Africa definitely has um, some some contribution, you know. And um, like um, years ago, I remember video production was at a certain level, you know, and then ambitious artists in Nigeria started to say, hmm, it appears these South African guys make better videos because their videos look really good and we want to, you know, play at that level. And so a lot of Nigerians started to go to South Africa to make videos. And that became so huge that it almost became like another industry of its own. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sure in exchange, millions of dollars happened in years just off of Nigerian artists or Nigerian labels going to South Africa to make videos, you know? So, and that's, that, that, that quality helped to push our music further as well. You know, so uh, until Nigerians started to figure out how to do it um, um, in Nigeria using, you know, top-notch equipment. But um, yeah, in, in that way, um, South Africa definitely, um, you know, uh, contributed in some way. If traditionally on, on, on the continent, like South Africa had a lot of the knowledge and was the center, how, where, was, where were Nigerians looking for their... To learn to learn things, do you know? What I mean? Because I think that is also uh, quite a common problem, isn't it? That people want to do things, but they have they don't know how to do them. Like they haven't met anyone who's been a superstar. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so did people who make made music in Nigeria. They thought, oh, I'm going to look to other places. I'm going to look to Europe, or I'm going to look to the U.S. We don't want to go. We don't want to waste our time in South Africa. I mean, the, you, you you have to give it to the Nigerians. Nigerians are very resourceful. <laughs> Nigerians yeah. are very, very resilient, you know. So we're like, we have to figure it out. We have to find a way to 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 push this thing because it almost feels like a ceiling after some point, and you're like, wow, we need to get beyond this. I mean, after after the South Africa wave, uh, uh, um, Nigerian artists started to want more and started to get more ambitious, and then you know, 
we left South Africa and started to make videos in, 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 in Hollywood, in, in Monaco, in different exotic parts, working with some um, big, big directors, you know. So that says a lot about the, the spirit of the Nigerian. And um, that resilience is part of why we are um, enjoying this, this, this success right now. Over the years, there's been a lot of capacity building um, across, across board from the video production side to um, audio. Um, although I still feel like, you know, a lot more work could be could be done within the audio. I, I, I don't like that in Nigeria right now, the idea of what a studio is, is uh, just like the most minimal setup. But then again, the, the upside of this is that we are not waiting for perfect situations before we make music and put it out. You know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. get it done, get it done, get yeah. it out there. Okay, like you said, you were a radio plugger, and what yeah. was it? Was there this is, I'm assuming, a handful of years ago, right? Like, but but did you say there were no radio pluggers at that time, or were people not really doing that in, in, in Nigeria? People were not really doing it at the time, you know, and it, 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 it was, it was for some time, it was very profitable, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah, people weren't really doing it at the time. But um, um, I think um, there was this other company that um, um, introduced something fresh and beautiful within that space. It was a company called Hype Nigeria. They would meet a lot of artists who have new music and want to put it on radio. And so they have all the songs on a compilation and it's on a CD. And then they build relationships with the radio people and they just hand that CD to the radio stations. So it means um, Victor, who was the owner of the company, is able to do more with one edition of his um, promo pack than I'm able to do because I'm going to push one artist at a time. But he's able to have like more people on his CD and then the radio people can then decide who they like or who they don't like. So um, Hype Nigeria was very, very um, an interesting addition. But um, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a thing then. Yeah, so. So, okay. So if it was, because when I, when I was a radio plugger, like there's a tradition of, Oh God, 50, 60 years of it in the UK or whatever. Tell me how over the last 10 years, if we rewind to what's it now, 2023, how were people finding music? Were they listening to the radio? And then what has changed over the last 10 years? Why is Boomplay popular when there are all these other platforms? One of the fascinating things about radio promotion is, is that for a long time, that was the way people heard you, yeah. It turned a small a record that people liked into a huge record. So I'm mm -hmm. always curious about what were the parts of the Nigerian music business or ecosystem that people drifted towards to find new talent. Um, I mean, radio, radio was uh, more relevant, more um, um, bigger than it is yeah. now, and radio is still big because um, so, sometimes we're, we're we're too busy being shielded in our in our um, um, digital world that we yeah. forget 
with um, quite a lot of people who haven't um, caught on to um, technology and they still rely on traditional means um, to, to, to get information like um, TV and radio, you know. So but, um, back then it was, um, it was radio, you know, but um, over the years, you said, you, you asked what has changed. It's simple. What has changed is streaming. Music streaming has changed everything. You know, and um, so for 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 the Boomplay one, um, I mean, Boomplay started out as one of the the sub companies of a larger company um, in in Af in Africa who market phones. You know, who make phones and market phones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so 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 initially, Boomplay would come pre-installed on low-end Android phones, and so that was how the penetration grew. And um, over time, the product improved too, and some other people started to like it for just being a good service. That's um, pretty much um, Boomplay's um, success um, story. You know, they got into the market um, using pre-installed. Um, um, low-end Android phones, you know, penetrated the whole of um, Africa. While why why the other guys are busy um, um, with the iPhones and the high-end Samsungs, it's a lot of people who just want to get the affordable Androids and boom, boom plays on there, you know. And so over time, the the the, the popularity grew and just um, expanded. Yeah, because we we had um, uh, a guy named Bruno from. Uh, TuneCore from Brazil, and he was telling us the same thing about how a lot of the success of streaming services was tied to mobile phone contracts there as well. Would you say that Boomplay is more in tune with the local market than, say, a Spotify or an Apple Music? I wouldn't say they're more in tune, but um, perhaps they have um, better penetration, especially within the African markets. Um, in a place like Nigeria, Boomplay definitely has a um, massive competition in Apple Music and Spotify because um, Nigerians also like, you know, top great, great products like that as well. But um, in other parts of Africa, some people's introduction to the concept and the technology of music streaming is Boomplay. So that is what they know. That is how they got into it. That is how they got to a place where they even um, um, understand and appreciate um, the technology. So there are parts of Africa where Boomplay is all it is, you know, and nothing else. In Nigeria, um, they definitely have a um, um, huge competitor in um, Spotify and um, Apple Music. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, Jen from Beta here. Beta is the platform that enables sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way. Beta is also unrivaled in taking advantage of audiophiles' unique properties. That means that Beta reads and writes file metadata, it converts audio file formats, and can quickly deliver secure downloads and or great sounding streaming. Create, promote, and discover with Beta. Tell me about the artist experience at the moment in Nigeria. Um, I find that the young artists, the, the, the younger artists are very, are very internet and tech savvy. I find that they are very calculative in their approach. 
I find that they have um, a deeper insight into um, numbers and how to how to not to manipulate it in a negative way, but how to work it and get the best out of it, you know. And uh, the, the, these are the artists who 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 stress and and have sleepless nights over their releases, and they're just setting everything in motion. The content, the rollout, the this, the that, the ads, um, um, you know, bugging you for playlist support, you know, just just looking for ways to put themselves out there. So um I I, I find that um, a lot of young artists actually um think about um music streaming very deeply and uh, are, are very open to um, understanding the technology around it. And also they understand for some. They have come to understand um, how long it's going to take. And that has sort of like given them patience and confidence to just do what needs to be done. You know, over time they have seen, okay, every time I do this, this is what happens. All right. So I need to consistently do this to build. And so they just ease into the journey. But um, generally, I feel like um, in this age, the artists who are going to win are the artists who come into this knowing that um, it's going to be a lifelong journey. And so you might as well just lean in and sit in and get comfortable and, and, and build something, build a fan base, build a following, work on your music. Because for some people, they're going to put out one song or two singles and it's going to go boom. But that is not going to be the story of majority of artists more people are going to have to build from the ground up. So I find that it's a mentality thing where an artist needs to have that resolve and realize, okay, this is who I'm trying to be. This is what I want to do with my life. And they just lean into it and work. Do they want to sign to a label? Do they want to get that kind of support? Or are they just looking for support wherever they can get it? It's not business as usual. And um, um Another thing that has changed in the, within the streaming um, era is how artists view um, record deals and the level of importance that they attach to it. Some people are very independent-minded and they are already thinking, you know what, I just, I know what I need to do. I have a team, I have a blueprint. Um, I just need money. I just need some funding. And if you can give me this funding, then I wouldn't need to go and have this huge arrangement with this guy who is a record company and who is going to end up owning um, 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 some of my rights or all of it and all of that. You know, so it's like the distributor, the distribution companies have sort of like stepped into that role to be an alternative. And um, this is not to demonize the record labels at all. Because um, in the ideal situation, they actually come and help you scale, give you the budget, but also they have the structure, they have the, the, the relationships because they are huge and they've been there for years. So um, when a record label or a big label are really into you, they can really move things for you because they have the might and they have the financial power, you know. But um, these days I find that artists are like, you know, I, I, 
I don't have to do that, you know. So if if you can give me some of that and then um, also allow me go make the music that my heart yearns for, that is the ideal situation for me. I'll take this over like an elaborate big record deal. And also in a place like Nigeria, it's not hard to see why um, artists are not so keen on um, the conventional record um, record deals anymore because um, we, we, we have had um, some successful ones. A lot of them didn't end well. You know, either you have a disgruntled um, um, investor who feels like they put in money and nothing came out of it, or sometimes the investor puts in money and then the artist blows up and then uh, um, for some reason they're just not there to partake of the of the gains, you know, or you have the artists who feel like, oh, you just signed me and you did nothing for me, you didn't have money, you lied to me, you didn't spend on me, you didn't do nothing, you know, so um, we, we, we've had quite a lot of those type of stories. So now when an artist hears that, they can get some funding, maybe not the kind of funding or support that um, a label would have given them, but something good enough for them to keep it moving without having to um, 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 give out their, their creative control or their, their music or their rights, or even just the back and forth of this person who is trying to invest in your music. You know, it just feels better. For the brilliant artist, deals are different. So you're still discerning enough to know when when a record label is offering you um, a good deal. But um, also, I find that um, things have improved also because I remember years ago, I would struggle to find entertainment lawyers. But right now, we have so many young, passionate people who are, uh, are music lawyers and they are doing amazing things from the label sites to um, handling um, sync deals to working with artists and all of that. So generally, um, um, there's more knowledge. The artist is more knowledgeable. Um, their handlers are more knowledgeable. And then we have more lawyers. Um, my biggest um, advice for the contract process for getting signed would be don't leave the, ambigu uh, the, the ambiguity aside. Let everything be clear. This is how much my project needs. In six months, I want this amount of money to be committed to this. These are the producers I want to work with. These are the type of videos I want to make. If in six months you're not able to do this, 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 it means I should walk away. You know, because if you don't spell things out like that, then you just keep leave room for your investor or the label to just leave you on the shelf and, and just take their time. Managers and lawyers should go there with straight points and figures too, you know, and timelines. So that way, nobody's time is wasted. And if at some point the label hasn't done certain things, you already put it in your clause that, you know, I'd have to walk away. So I, I, I find that there's more knowledge within this space generally. The, the, distribution, uh, the distributors coming in um, have um, totally revolutionized um, the artist record deal or record label um, um, situation. I mean, even at the biggest, at the highest level in Nigeria right now, that is what is playing out. Empire, Empire uh, uh, is possibly top two um, um, earners in Nigeria right now because um, the biggest guys are on Empire. Olamide is on Empire. Kiss Daniel is on Empire. 
Fire Boy is on Empire, um, and Peru, like so many people. And that is what attracts the artists. Like you don't have to get into this elaborate record label deal with me where I own your music indefinitely and all of that. No, no, no. I'll make money available. You want to teach your Amari video? We're going to pay for that. You know, we're going to do all of these things and then, you know, find a way to recoup and support you and, and make you feel like you have label support, but you haven't quite penned down a conventional record label deal. You know, so even at the highest level of Nigerian music right now, that is pretty much what is um, happening. Do you all offer funds for marketing and stuff? Like, how do you, as a company, look at that kind of stuff? If an artist is um, eligible, um, and um, you, usually our eligibility requirements are like, say, at least if an artist is able to constantly or consistently make at least $100 monthly, you know, we consider that good enough to step in, you know, or in other terms, anything from um, 25, 30,000 real monthly active um, listeners on Spotify, you know, that way we would, um, we, we, we consider that as an enough listener base for us to have um, a, a, a fruitful um, partnership. So yes, we definitely offer, offer advances. Not a lot of artists are going to be, um, to be eligible, but also we don't just um, wait around for when the artist is eligible. So we also, I'm a builder, you know, I've never, I've never run away from an opportunity to, to, to start from scratch. So we are also very open to working with the artists and planning with them and strategizing with them and just consistently put, putting music out and building the community up until when they're eligible for an advance, you know, but also the hope is that, you know, things um, pick up even much faster and the artist doesn't even need us for um, um, that type of um, financial backing. So so you're saying like, I'm a new artist and I need sort of like 20,000 monthly stream, like, you, you know, active listers, like all that to get my really my foot in the door. Like, how do you think I should get there? What are the mix of tools? What do people do? Is it playing live or is it making videos, YouTube? Like, what do you like? It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. Deploying everything in your um, in, in, in your arsenal. The first thing being to consistently put out music. I feel like because it's so many people putting out music or trying to make music, you need to show that you want this more than the next person. You need to be consistent with how you put out music. And I find that putting out music also, um, besides the obvious mathematics of it, where the more music you have out there, the more money you are, you can earn from streaming. But I find that the more music you have out there, the better your chances of building a strong following, you know, because one song isn't enough to make somebody a fan, you know, so just consistently putting yourself out there and also that balance between digital and um, physical or the real world. Yes, do all that good social media stuff. Um, um, as Horus, we're going to help to position you for, for global playlisting and all those type of things, but definitely go outside, meet with your fans, create something, build a fan base. And I find that that is where artists um, struggle. Um, some people can do it without necessarily 
putting on a show. So just find out what works for you. Are you good with social media? Um, does um, content creation come easily for you? Lead into it. You know, you are oftentimes just one cover or one good content away from, from a short um, um, viral moment that then makes other people to go check out other stuff that you have doing. But the, the harder route is to, you know, think of how to build a fan base start your start your mailing list um get a small pub get a small venue in your neighborhood and perform once a month do something you know just or or, or get on ig every day and perform but just constantly do something and understand how much powerful you are as an artist today that um, the people who had to do music um many years ago you know, from the comfort of your home, if you deploy social media properly, um, um, get on TikTok, get on Instagram, you know, you can really do something for yourself. And um, wake up, wake up, wake up. TikTok really is very important in music promotion today. It is not what a lot of people want to hear, but that is a, a powerful, important platform. So learn to figure it out. And it's okay if you can't, but just, you know, think about social media very much and um, um, tell stories, tell stories. Some some days ago, my friend um, did this content where he spoke about um, storytelling and um, captions. Like um, artists put out music and they say, run it up. And they say, um, um, stream now. And, you know, and it's like, yo, you know, maybe you should say a little more you know, so I can know the process of this music and, and how what, what led up to this moment. Maybe that is going to make me check out your music, you know. So just um, put yourself out there, be looking to do more than the next person because it's so many people trying to make music right now and only focused, um, hardworking artists are going to build something worthwhile, I think. So what you're saying is, is that you can be as much in a rush as you want but don't act like you're in a rush. So you be in a rush behind the scenes, but but be cool, but be cool with it. <laughs> Cause I get, I get what you mean with that TikTok stuff that I think like you can't jump over that step, which is the step where people learn who you are. Once you people listen to the song, you need to build that connection between you as an artist and yeah. the people that are listening to it. And you can't, you can't do it by doing a video where you're pointing at a stream now button the whole time. It sounds obvious what you're saying, but I don't think enough people say that. It's a very good point. Hi, Jen from Beta here. I want you to know that every podcast features a different guest. They each offer up a unique perspective from deep within the music ecosystem. Like Mark's talk with Corbin Asprey, the Labor Relations Manager at YouTube. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world, but how can emerging artists best maximize the platform? Mark and Corbin go deep into how YouTube can help. Corbin also answers some great questions from the audience. Go listen to that episode and make sure people can find your music. Let's talk about Horus a bit then. Are you the first employee in all of Africa, the whole continent? Or do they have someone in South Africa already? Um, no, 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 nobody in Africa. I mean, yeah, Nigeria is pretty much the hotbed right now, so it makes sense. But I'm the third, I'm the third um, um, employee. You've got to decide what companies you're going to work with. And, and like, how do you talk to artists about that? Like, what should they be? Because they don't need to sign a record deal to get mm -hmm. the support. 
First of all, I say rock with people who are passionate about your music, you know, because that is very important. So I, I, I work with a lot of artists that I'm a fan of and I like what they're doing. And um, people who I've seen put in a lot of work even before I joined um, 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 a, a distribution company. So as soon as I got on, it was just a matter of, wow, um, join me, I'm here, I'm here. Come on, I see what you're doing. Let's do it better. You know, I understand what you're trying to do. I understand the 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 intensity and the seriousness you want around it. Don't worry, I got you. Come. It's a company founded by by musicians. You know, a lot of my colleagues are, are musicians themselves. So we 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 really understand how much of a lonely road the um, artist's life and the artist's journey is. And in in any way possible, we're just looking to um add something add 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 some 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 more assistance some more some more insights some some more playlist support some more stage time some more media opportunities some more writing camp opportunity like um that is our approach basically anything that we can do for the artist we are going to do for the artist, even if it's not traditionally part of what a distro should do for an artist. Because ultimately, if the music does well and anything that um, puts the artist and the music out there comes back to have an impact on the streams, you know. So we're not we're not just um, going to um, um, end the relationship after the uploads are done or after um, a few playlist support. You know, so I find that um, artists are looking for way more support um, every day and we're looking to um, support them in um, every way possible, even if it means um, getting performance slots for them or if it means um, um, getting them in writing rooms, uh, you know, just anything. Down to if if an artist wants to do a feature and I know the artist or I have a good relationship, I am going to make that happen. So more and more, I find that we're having to do more for the artists, you know, and just um, step into that big brother role, you know. Everything we're talking about supporting artists, that is, I guess, what A&R is. You've done this job, you know, in quite a few different ways, but I'd like to just get your thoughts on that a bit more. Like, what, what do you think A&R is today? Like, does it exist? In the, in the way it used to, or is everybody helping with that? Or does that sound ridiculous? Or like, so tell, just sort of give me some of your thoughts and I'd like to talk about it. Okay, Matt, I get very excited to talk about um, ANR, especially in the Nigerian context. Nigeria is in its infancy stages of ANR. And this is a beautiful, brilliant time because um, there's just this explosion of um, interest and um, enthusiasm over, over the ANR um, um, role and responsibility. You know, I see so many young people who, who, who say for sure, look, I'm not trying to be a music video director. I'm not trying to be a producer. I'm not trying to be a manager. I just feel like I have a unique, beautiful insight on music and I love music and I want to discover talents and I want to work on rollouts with talents and I want to help um, um, sign talent and, and introduce new sounds and new people to the ecosystem. You know, so I find that there is more of um, a growing appreciation 
for it. And um, it also helps that now in Nigeria, we actually now have people who are in that role doing that job and I'm earning off of it, thereby showing other people that, hey, it's 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 possible. You should lean in and do it. AR from my perspective is very different from the way you view it. In fact, I feel like Nigeria has yet to reach its um, golden AR era. The way you were describing, say, someone who felt that they have a unique view on music and that they can contribute sounds a lot like a traditional 50s, 60s American view that where it was romanticized, that the a &R person could come in and work with the artist and help them to create help them to um, to develop their vision, their vision yeah. for what they are. And I, I think that is lost in North America and the UK now, because like the A&R person is just the, your contact at the label, the one you call to say, oh, great, it's going well, or, oh, this is shit, or I need a, I need a, like a dub of this book, the studio type thing. So, you know, like, I think it's exciting to hear that people, that that's the vision. It because is. I it, think that vision is lost in, or has been lost in a lot of ways. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, it, it does. Like um, there's so much positive change happening within the Nigerian um, music industry. I mean, even um, creative collaboration has um, improved greatly. Um, we went from when um, people didn't used to do writing camps to now. There are writing camps everywhere, every time, every month, you know, from, from hotel rooms to um, apartment buildings to residential buildings. And um, it, it, in a lot of situations, it's the boarding ARs who have yet to join a record label, but still want to work on their vision all the same, you know, who are putting together these um, camps and beautiful things have um, been happening from these places. So like I said, our industry doesn't right now, doesn't um, have the wherewithal to um, hire as many people as are willing to be ARs. You know, so um, big shout out to um, um, Maven, Maven Records, easily Nigeria's biggest um, indigenous um, um, record company, you know, and then you have Empire, and then you have um, 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 other people, you know. So you find that um, it's 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 really not so many roles, you know, where you can be a conventional, where you can be a proper A and R and do these things. But a lot of people are going out of their way and um, living that dream all the same, just that they are not tied to a record company. It's a beautiful time, really. Like I said, we have yet to um, hit our golden A and R era within the Nigerian music industry, and I think it's coming. The way you articulated it sounds very exciting. We should end right there with your beautiful description of the golden age of Nigerian A&R is just as good as it gets. But I, I think I should ask, like, so tell me about how you approach that kind of stuff in your job. You've mentioned that you, you'll do more for artists. And I think that is super important. But like, so to finish off, tell us a bit about how you're applying your vision of the towards the future, towards a golden age of A&R. 
Yes, um, it, it, I'm learning so much about people. I'm learning so much about artists. Um, people are different. You know, some artists are very gifted and they're very aggressive in their push and how they put themselves out there and how hungry they are for success, you know. And so it makes them to go all out every day. They wake up and they tweet about their music or they're looking for performance opportunities or they're looking for somebody to do something for them, you know, or they're sending the music to um, radio stations, um, which is something that we do also um, at Forest because, um, like I said, having done music plugging for some time, I still have quite um, a decent amount of um, relationships um, for radio and all that. So um, we still send out music of our artists to the radio stations. But um, payola, like everywhere else in the world, is a problem here as well. So it's not like um, we send it out and put like huge budget behind it. No, we just send it out to the um, idealistic um, OAPs who still believe, who believe that um, people shouldn't have to pay for um, airplay, you know, and it's still a lot of those. It, just one question is it are you in the golden age of payola is that it comes with the territory it comes with the territory <laughs> sorry continue continue but, 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 um, I, I find that um the ENR role in a distribution company is very very interesting and I love it we distribute music. So if the music is amazing or not so amazing, you are my client. But also there is that other part where it is important to bring in bankable music or an artist that is capable of scaling and doing amazing things. So you have to, you, you, you balance it with, yeah, we keep it open. If you want to distribute, we're there. But there's also that part where I'm reaching out to people because of their work ethic, because of their consistency, because of the already existing relationship that we have, because I believe in their journey and I feel like it's only a matter of time before something huge happens, especially if they have good support from a company like ours or from myself, you know, and then I've just been, you know, picking, working with some great artists. And um, also, um, it, it, it's also our way of sending a message to the world that um, the sound of Nigeria is much wider and much, much, much greater than Afrobeats. Afrobeats is beautiful. Afrobeats has knocked the doors down and now it's time for everybody to run in. Well, that's brilliant. Thanks so much. I, it, was, uh, it was very uh, inspirational, which is the way I like it. Also, we didn't talk about the Listening Sessions podcast. Which oh is... yes no tell it tell everybody about that i'm sorry i'm sorry no no go for it i totally forgot i don't need to talk about that so much but um it will just be a part of my parting shot so um we have over 45 um about 45 episodes of um great insights around and stories um around the music business so um if you're looking to join the music business or learn some more you should totally um listen to um, the listening sessions podcast it's available um everywhere and um also um at forest music we're looking to do a lot of um educational um programs as well and um here we're going to be breaking down everything concerning music distribution best practices all the assets you need to have 
how to get yourself prepared for a release, you know, how playlisting works and all of that. So um, just, um, yeah, it's, a, it, it's an exciting time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks so much for coming and we'll see you next month. Yeah, thank you. Hey, it's Mark again. Thanks for listening. I want to thank our special guest, Obina Agwu, for chatting with me. I also want to thank Jamie Ford from Vita, who makes sure every conversation goes off without a hitch, and our podcast producer and editor, Colin McKenzie. Our music is by Finn Productions and Oliver Liu. The How We Listen Live In Conversation podcasts are brought to you by Beta.com. Beta enables sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way. Built for everyone working with music today. The live online series takes place on the last Tuesday of every month. Free to sign up and attend. Come and join the conversation. Go to beta.com for more information. Thanks for listening and get in touch with any questions.